Matthew 4, 17 today is our text. Uh, it said, from then on, Jesus began to preach. Repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation, Lord, if you prompt me with it, I wanna be obedient to speak to it. You look at all of us today, but you see me differently. Uh, Lord, I'm your teacher, your preacher, and up on me is a, a greater judgment, a more strict judgment, uh, and it's on me more than anybody else today, even in this minute, and I know it. And I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus I pray, his name that I preach, amen. You can be seated. We're uh, getting ready for Lent. I, uh, I grew up Southern Baptist, not practicing Lent or Advent. Um, heard a little bit about it, but never practicing it. Until we got to Hope Church, uh, we started, uh, uh, it's, it's called uh, Future Ancient Worship. And uh, it is, uh, we uh, are going back to the traditions of the early church. We've been leading you that, you just haven't known it. Uh, we we uh, celebrate Lent, we celebrate Pentecost, um, we celebrate Ascension Day and then a Pentecost, we celebrate Advent, and those are all very strategic early tra er, traditions of the early church. Uh, so we're, gonna, we're getting ready to move into our Lent season, and that begins this Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. And uh, you've seen it on Facebook already, but from 6 to 7.30, Wednesday night we will be here and uh, we will have uh, stations. We call them marking stations. And you just come in, you and your family or whomever, and uh, we will mark you with the ash. Uh, we, will, we will say a blessing over you and pray over you as you begin your Lent journey. So today is, is going to help you understand what you do uh, during this time of Lent. So Jesus is preaching here. I used this the other Sunday, and we're gonna be using this first because I'm starting a series next Sunday up until Palm Sunday about thy kingdom come. And uh, it's, the series did not happen because of what's going on. I put together this series back in December. Uh, it just seems to, to fit. You know, you, you wonder how that happens, right? And uh, it says the kingdom of heaven has come near. And Jesus is, is preaching after his temptation in the wilderness, uh, which our 40 days of, uh, of focus is to be in conjunction with his 40 days of focus while he was in the desert. Um, so Lent is a, a word that's talking about these 40 days. And it also is a word that means springtime and bursting forth. I don't know about you, but We've got flowers coming up that ought not be coming up till late March. Uh, we've, we've had a great cold spell in December, as you remember, but we've really been blessed with pretty warm weather. Uh, so uh, Lent in the springtime means it's a time of bursting forth. <clears throat> so during Lent, and in line with our series we just finished, in Lent, it is meant for you to make adjustments in your life to practice Lent. And the adjustments you, you've got to work on have to do with giving and praying and, uh, and fasting. 
There are three practices, if you could put those on the screen. The three things that you do, and I've got them in order the way they are because of the way I'm gonna give them to you in Matthew chapter six. And it's the way they're listed there. You do three things during Lent. You practice, it's called almsgiving if you read about it, but a modern day response to that is generosity. You just are generous with people. And you pay attention to who the Lord is asking you to be generous to and with. Uh, it, it could be buying someone's meal. And we'll get into ways of doing that in just a moment. And it is a time of praying that you want to adjust your life to where you're praying more often. You may want to take your lunch hour or lunch 45 minutes or whatever you do. You may want to fast during that meal. And you may just want to go and pray. Just go somewhere where you'll not be bothered and you can go and spend some time in prayer. It's an adjustment. You want, we, there's an inclusion here of more praying. Uh, it, and, it, and that is fasting. Uh, learning, learning to be able to fast. We're not necessarily talking about intermittent fasting that you do with a weight loss plan. We don't want you fasting because you're wanting to lose weight. We want you learning to fast for a specific reason in your life. Uh, and just even that prayer that of the pace prayer where we get to the sea of control, of, of being able in the fruit of the Spirit to live with self-control. Uh, so we'll talk about ways of doing that. But during Lent, these are the three things that you do. This starts this Wednesday, giving and praying and then fasting. Uh, so you make adjustments to include these things in your life during this period of time. And the picture here that you need to see is we want the worldly things moving out and the kingdom things moving in, okay? If you, if you need a picture, a mental picture, we want the worldly things going away and we want the kingdom things to be moving in. So you make the adjustments to be able to do that. Now, the Lord is gracious. Sundays, you, you get to celebrate, okay? Monday and Saturday, you're on it. You're on it, okay? What, what is they, they uh, used to say, like a hog on a June bug, you know? I mean, you, you know, or a tater bug, you know? You're, you're on it. Uh, Monday through Saturday, boom, you're on this. You're doing this. Sunday, you get... Uh, you get some relief, all right? It's a, time, it's a time to be able to celebrate. So we're working on the weekdays uh, and Sunday's become a day of, of celebration. So I wanna go into giving first in Matthew 6, one through four. Just bring out some things. We're, we're, taught, we're into the greatest sermon that was ever preached by the Lord. And uh, we're gonna walk through this for just a moment. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna read everything all the way through and then we'll, we'll pick out some places. But this is about giving. Uh, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of people to be seen by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. <clears throat> Whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. I assure you, They've got their reward, they've received it. But when you give to the poor, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. So that, uh, so that your giving may be in secret, 
and your father who sees in secret will be able to reward you. Let me help you out with this. Verse two and verse three say when you give, not if you give. Okay, it doesn't say if you give. If you're a follower of Christ, it's expected that you're going to be a giver. You're gonna practice hospitality, and, and, and well, I don't want you to forget Lent, I want you to do Lent, practice Lent, but outside of Lent, it should be a part of our life, absolute part of our life, of being generous. So when you give, once in verse two, again in verse three, not if you give. <clears throat> the Father who sees you in secret, he watches us, he knows us, he will reward you. And that's between the two of you. That's between the two of you. He intends that to happen. Um, And uh, you ask the question, does he want to reward me? What do you think the answer to that is? Yes. Excuse me. And Jesus is teaching this and he knows the father. He's not guessing here. He's not guessing here. Uh, And he he wants to reward you for being able to bless others is what he wants to do. Uh, I just want you to see, this is the father in secret. You're, you're doing what you're doing and your almsgiving, your generosity, and the father sees your generosity in his name and it says he will reward you and it'll be able to bless other people. Uh, let's look at Matthew 6, five through eight. This is the praying part. We'll, we'll, we'll probably spend a little more time here than we did on the giving part. Let me read it to you. It says, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. I assure you, they've got their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the idolaters. Uh, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. And you don't have to scream either. He's not hard of hearing, okay? Don't, don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask them. Again, let's walk through this. Verses five, six, and seven say when you pray, not if you pray. If you're a follower of Christ, we are not only giving people, we are praying people. When, not if. I, uh, I'm not gonna be able to meet with our intercessory prayer team tonight just because of logistics and getting ready for Mima's funeral. Uh, but I called the meeting for Thursday night and she was still living at that time and she died that morning, the next morning. But one of the things I was teaching our intercessory prayer team that met on Thursday night is I said, I, I want you to go off and prepare a prayer room Now I said, you can do whatever you want. My prayer place is our garage. I go to our garage to pray. And uh, don't ask me why. It's just a place that I can get away and and, uh, I'm I'm trying to do things for Julie while she's tending to her mother and her dad. And uh, so if I'm in the garage, I don't see clothes to wash or dishes to put in. I can get away from that area a little bit. And a lot of times we try to do this and we see our to-do list things in the house and you don't get to them because you feel like you need to get to those first. So I go to the garage, just to show you, that's where I go. But go find a private room in an area 
uh, remember this praying is between the two of you, between you and the Father. Um, and the Father who sees you in secret will reward you, Jesus says. And I want to remind you, he's not guessing here. Jesus knows the Father. Now, when you, when you see this here in, in light of what's happening right now around us, and you're seeing Jesus telling people to go off and pray by themselves, you have to have some kind of a question mark. Well, what about Asbury? What about God's call to collective prayer? Uh, in, uh, the, in, and I want you to know collective prayer happens and it should. Uh, I want you to look at Acts chapter one, verses 12 through 15 for just a minute. This is, uh, this is after the ascension. And this is before the Holy Spirit comes in to, the, to birth the church in Acts 2. This is Acts 1, 12 through 15. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount uh, called the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they arrived, uh, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying, Peter, James, John, there's the list of all of them, Thomas, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, the son of James. All these were continually united in prayer along with women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus' siblings, his brothers are there. Uh, during these days, Peter stood up among the brothers and he, the number of the people who were together was about 120. Uh, so there's a group of 120 people who have met for 10 days and uh, they are together in prayer and they're praying. Now, I wanna remind you something here, okay? This, this is, I wanna get this teaching down. Some people think this, these 120 people for 10 days prayed the Holy Spirit down. That's not the case. The Holy Spirit was already promised before this prayer group ever assembled, okay? If you go to John chapter 14, you go to John chapter 16, I'm not gonna take you there, but if you go there, uh, Jesus has already promised that the Father is going to send the Comforter, and the Comforter is going to come. So what was the need then of the 120 to pray for 10 days? Why was that necessary? And uh, the belief is it's necessary to prepare them for when the Holy Spirit did come. The Holy Spirit was promised previously, but they're gathering together to be ready, to be able to do what they need to do when the Holy Spirit does arrive. So the Holy Spirit came in Acts 2, gave birth, giving birth to the church, uh, but remember, he was already promised. It's just these people were getting ready to receive, kind of like our pace prayer. I'm, I'm getting ready to receive, Lord, what you are about to do. Uh, but here's the beautiful part of this. If you look at Acts 1.8, which is scripture before the talking about the 120 praying, uh, we know that, the, the, that they were giving a plan. You receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come. Now this verse is before the Holy Spirit comes. So they had, a, they had an inkling that the Holy Spirit was coming 
And so they went and prayed for 10 days, the 120 did, to be ready when the Holy Spirit does come. And there was already a plan before the Holy Spirit came. You are to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the earth. And so when they get together and pray, the 120 for 10 days, and the Holy Spirit does come, they know exactly what they are to be doing. The Holy Spirit gave them power, and, and they did exactly what was said here. They had a plan of being sent. And the whole book of Acts is ordered this way, outlined this way. What happened in Jerusalem? Then Luke writes about what happens in Judea. Then Luke writes about what happens in Samaria. And then Luke writes about what happens throughout the other parts of the world, of the earth. Do you, do you see that? I, I want to give a plug for Asbury here. And I, I, I'm grateful for their leadership and just because of... I don't know, just because we have a little bit of insight of some things that are going on behind the scenes that are incredibly positive. And one is, uh, they guard the stage. They just don't let anybody on there, which I don't mind that supervision. If you've ever been a pastor or a leader, um, there's some people you don't want to give the microphone to. I'm sorry. If, but, and they, they even hold the microphone most of the time when people are giving their testimonies. I don't mind that kind of supervision. I don't mind it at all. But one of the beautiful things that I've read lately and that you have read is they're already talking about how they're going to lessen the meetings and start sending the people out. Have you read that? And I think that's beautiful. They're all, I, I think today, I think after today, they are going to limit the hours you can be there, how long you can be there, because the leadership there on the university side and on the seminary side are coming together, President Brown and President Tennant. I know President Tennant, I don't know President Brown, but, but Andrew does very well. Our Andrew knows him pretty well. And, but they're, they're like, classes are still going on here. You understand? I mean, there. I, I understand. You got to think through a lot of this stuff. But what I'm excited about is there's a picture going on uh, there that is here in Scripture. Uh, they're going to start limiting the meetings because they feel like it's time for the commissioning. It's time for the sending of people to be able to go back. So I, I see a model here being done, and I just want to, I just want to bring that, bring that out. If you've been to the Asbury revival, you should be renewed. It should come back to your home. It should come back to your marriage. It should come back to the way you parent. It should affect your prayer life, your attitude. The words that come out of your mouth are the ones that shouldn't. <laughs> come out of your mouth. Uh, it ought to be a blessing in that. But that's exactly, you're going, there's collective prayer here, but then Jesus is saying there's private prayer. He actually calls us to private prayer. Folks, listen to me. You can have the same personal revival that they are having collectively. Are you listening? We've been talking about the presence of God and you being in his presence for a number of years here. Uh, you can have the same personal revival with the Father that they are having collectively with the Father. And that's the intent. You're gonna, you're gonna say, well, people that come back from Asbury, 
It looks like they've been with the Lord. Well, the same thing can be said of you even in your prayer closet. When Moses went to the tent of meeting and he came back, they're going, you've been with the Lord because the glory of the Lord is, is, around, is around him. They could see it. Listen, are you listening? Are you listening? You, when you go into your private area of prayer and you come out of there, people ought to know that you've been with the Lord. The revival that's happening collectively, which I'm for, I'm totally for it. I'm not against revival, awakening, whatever you want to call it. I'm not against that. It can happen to you just as well privately. Uh, it's a renewing that's there. And, uh, uh, but he does tell us to go be alone with the Father. Sometimes my counseling today in my older age, I don't know if it's wisdom or I'm just tired. <laughs> I hope it's wisdom. But I'll tell people, they'll call, I got this going on, I got this going on. And here's what I'll say to them. Have you been with the Father? No. Well, then why are you calling me? Go be, you go be with the Father and then call me back and tell me what happens. When Isaiah got to be with God, he said there's a lot of things, but he said he's a wonderful counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. And so I, I don't know what's happened to us that thinking about being alone to God is a foreign concept, but as your pastor, I'm going to lead you and challenge you to spend time with the Father, to be able to spend time with the Father. Uh, that's what we did with um, with Meemaw going on to be with the Lord. That's what we did. We know she's not suffering. Uh, we rejoice in what is going on. Uh, I, I know Meemaw. I know I've known her since, I've known her most of my life, but I've been a part of the family uh, since 1979, but I knew Meemaw well before then. Uh, and I, I got a picture of even how she's reacting to heaven because we know her so well. But if you be with the Father, the world is going to know it, okay? They're gonna know that you walk with the Lord. So there's giving and praying. Let's deal with fasting. Matthew 6, uh, 16 through 18. When you fast, don't be sad-faced like the hypocrites because they wanted to know, they wanted everybody to know they were fasting. For they, uh, they make their faces unattractive so their fasting is obvious to people. <clears throat> I assure, assure you they have your reward, but when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, be normal. Uh, so that you don't show your fasting to people, but to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Again, verses 16 and 17 said, when you fast, not if you fast. As believers, we should practice fasting. You need to understand that. Some of you may need to talk to your doctor before you do that. Uh, may be some wisdom there, but the Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Let me remind you, Jesus is not guessing here. He knows the Father. And it's between the two of you. It's between the two of you. When you wh what do you fast from what? Uh, today, in our culture, a lot of people fast from social media. 
they just remove themselves from the social media, which would probably do all of us a great dose of good. Uh, just to remove ourselves from that. Some people, it's TV, obviously food. Some people remove sugar from their diet. Some people go to eating one meal a day uh, in conjunction with most, 80% of the world only has one meal a day. Then uh, uh, there's a way you can do this. If you fast and only eat one meal a day, then uh, if you spent $10 on uh, two other meals, which would be 20 bucks, in six days would be $120. You can knock out two of these right there. I'm gonna eat one meal a day and whatever I spend for um, lunches outside that I didn't eat, uh, then that times six is 120. You can be generous with somebody for $120. And maybe those meals that you miss, you can include them on prayer and you've really got Lent already wrapped up there. That seems like a neat little package. Uh, those are some things that you can do. Um, but it's really meant for you to fast from something that's considered a luxury to you. The, the whole point of fasting is for you to have a little bit of sacrifice and a little bit of an adjustment there and a little bit of suffering there, hang on, that takes prayer for you to get through it. Do you see that? It takes more time of praying to be able to, to, to get through it. So remember I told you, it's the world going out and the kingdom coming in, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, so we replace what we're fasting from with prayer, devotion, focus, scripture, worship, the big five. This is a good thing to do here. The big five is uh, worship and evangelism, discipleship and, and, and fellowship and ministry. Just replace it with some of those activities in the kingdom of God. So uh, we celebrate, remember, if you're fasting Monday through Saturday, you get to celebrate on Sunday. If you're fasting from social media, you're off of it Monday through Saturday, Sunday can be your catch-up day if that's what you wanna do. I, I just want you to be able to see that. We do it Monday, we do the giving and the praying and the fasting. We try to do it those six days and then Sunday becomes a day of celebration. Let me encourage you this, this Wednesday, come here. Let us pray over you. you. You'll be here about five minutes. Dart in, let us pray over you, and we'll mark you, and then we'll send you out with a blessing to be able to start your Lent service. But the three things you're doing, if you could put that back up, Kim, the three things that you're practicing is your giving and your praying and your fasting. If you wanna know what to fast from, you can look it up. There's a lot of things you can do to go to to be able to help you to be able to do that, all right? We're, we're having communion today. Our invitation to you is a time of communion. And I, I wanna take you to 1 Corinthians 10, 21 before we get into this, and I wanna explain it to you. Uh, and uh, I, I, I'm gonna give an illustration today that came to me from this verse. Uh, and... Uh, I, I, I didn't read anything outside of scripture. I didn't read somebody else's book on the Eucharist, which is communion or, or communion or the Lord's Supper. I, uh, I felt the Lord gave this to me and I've used it often. Uh, I, we started doing this back in the middle school uh, and the Lord gave me a clear picture of this in my life. So I, I guess I'm trying to tell you, it, 
it came from scripture, but this is the revelation he gave me and that I've been able to use. Let me read it to you. It says, you cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot share in the Lord's table and the table of demons. Now, my mind, if you were to be around it, can be a little strange. So I, uh, I, 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 I looked at the first part, cup of the Lord, the cup of demons. Table, then I looked at the second part, table of the Lord or the table of demons. And this is what I felt the Lord give me. Um, and we're gonna focus on the tables. In my mind, the Lord gave me a picture of two tables. Uh, one of them, and I don't, I don't care which side you put it on, but just put it on one side. One, one table is dilapidated, torn up, broken, ugly, falling apart. And uh, on that table is doubt and worry and fear and anger and hate and rage and lust and, and, and selfishness and greed. Do y'all, y'all hear that? Okay. And there's other negative emotions that you can come up with. But even death, even death. When Mamaw died, Meemaw died, the only, only part of her that knew death was her body. She did not know death. When you and I die, the only thing that's gonna know death is your body. You will never know death. Why? Because when you came to Christ, you have crossed over, say it with me, from death unto life. So that table of demons has got all the yucky stuff. Over here is the table of the Lord. It's beautiful. Some of you are gonna make it a mahogany table. Yeah, I don't know what you do, but make it whatever you think a beautiful table is. And on this table is uh, Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23. Do you know what that is? It's the fruit of the spirit. There is love, joy, peace, faithfulness, meekness, gentleness, self-control. That's all over here. This is the table of the Lord, right? There's grace, there's mercy. There's, it's just here, right? Now, here's the question. Which chair do you have your table up to? That's what the Lord gave me. I mean, just, just treat it like your table in the den or your, your kitchenette or your dining room or whatever it is you do. But where do we have our chair? And the truth is, a lot of us have got it at the table of demons. We're just, we're, we're, we're just f- filled with negative emotions all the time. And, and then the Lord uses them to affect other people. You see that? But the intention of our life is to be pulled up to this table right here with the Lord. And, and, and guys, back to the praying part, you go be with the Father. H- how do I get from that table to this table? It's called confession and repentance. <clears throat> I'm gonna say, Lord, I've been here and you know it and I know it, I didn't need to. I didn't need to. And I need you to forgive me 
I need you to cleanse me. So how do I get from this table to that table? Confession and repentance. The Lord's dying on the cross made it possible for us to leave that table and come to this table. He sacrificed for us. He paid the penalty of our sin for us. And we remember that today. So why do we come in here and celebrate and worship and do all we do, but yet we sit in the chair at the table of demons and we know we're at the, to be at the table of the Lord. And I'm telling you, personal, personal care, soul care of you being with the Father will keep you at this table. The enemy and the world is gonna to try to move you from that table to this table. But the things of God are gonna move you from that table to his table. And that's what this table is, is here today. There's conversion, there's salvation, there's grace, there's mercy, there's the fruit of the Spirit here. And we come and we remember his sacrifice because he made all that possible. Not only did he pay the penalty for our sins, listen, he tore open the tent so that I don't have to go through anybody else to the Father but through him. He made that possible by his death on the cross and him being raised from the dead. He is my high priest. I can go to the Father, and I go to the Father through the Son. And we remember the Son today. We remember Jesus, our sacrifice, our penalty. He is our Savior. Folks, if you're at this table, the table of demons, leave it. There's nothing there for you. They only entice you so that you will not be in the table of the Lord. And the table of the Lord says, come. He says, come. So when you come today for communion, would you thank him for his sacrifice? And would you thank you that he invites you to have a seat at his table? He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And he says, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. So if you need to confess that you've been at the table of demons, you do that. And then turn, leave it, and come to the table of the Lord. All right? Let me, let me, let me pray over you. Uh, if you need a counselor, see me. Our counselors will have eyes. If you need one of us, you may want to kneel and pray. You may want to take the bread and the communion back to your seat. You may want to stay here in the altar. You do whatever you need to do. But let's remember today. Father, we're in your presence. We remember the gift of Jesus to us from you. And we thank you. We thank you that you sinned. You sent him, you sent us, but you sent him for us. And we thank you that he paid the penalty of our, uh, of our sins. We thank you for his body given to us, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for his blood shed so that we could be forgiven and free. And uh, Father, may there be a strong calling from you today that we move from the table of demons and we move to the table of you, our Lord. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Church, would you stand with me? The team's gonna lead us. And you come.
I had a time that you spend with the Father. But if you're at that table, let's move, okay? If you're at his table, let's rejoice for all that he has made possible. Whosoever will, for whatever reason, you come. The Spirit and the Bride, they say come.